Welcome to the Breaking Through with Apollo podcast, hosted by Greg and Thomas Beckers. We're here to give you an inside look on the entertainment industry through the lens of an actor and a manager, and we're here to help you break through in your own career. Hey guys, I'm here today with Jenny Williams. Uh, she's a therapist that has specialized in creatives and industry professionals, and also specializes in brain spotting, which is something I'm super interested in talking about and learning more about, and uh, welcome. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. And um, I heard you're a dual citizen as well, just like me, fellow Europeans. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, am, so... Yeah, I'm originally surprised from the UK. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're going to hear that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the, so I'd love to hear your story and kind of, Kind of from the start, I, I would love to hear about it because obviously you're from the UK. Um, you're living in New York right now. You're in America. You studied, I believe, here in LA. Um, and I know you've lived in LA. So I kind of love to hear your story from the beginning and kind of what brought you to where you are now. Sure. Um, so I suppose I'll start with the beginning of my education. So I did my undergrad work in the UK at the University of Manchester, and that was in drama. So I come from that background where I did, um, you know, I did a sort of academic liberal arts degree with a focus on theatre and film. Um, and so, you know, from that age, I've just been immersed in a world and a friendship group, I suppose, who are all in the industry. Um, so I kind of from fairly early on, I've sort of lived and breathed the whole world of theatre, film, entertainment. Um, after I graduated, I ended up getting sponsored for a visa to come over to the States, actually to work for a theatre company. So that was kind of what brought me over. Um, and I landed in New York. Um, and then I worked for, I suppose it was about six or seven years um and i was working in the theater in new york in in all capacities so i was kind of doing the downtown theater thing um and i was acting and directing and writing um i was in a theater ensemble um actually a very cool company oh, called cool. The new york neo futurists give them a plug oh, cool. um so yeah. yeah i was i was deep in it um, and then I decided to refresh my training and I did a three year, maybe some of your listeners have heard of this program. I did a three year acting training program with a teacher called John Osborne Hughes, who actually has taught, he comes over or used to come over to teach in LA quite a lot. Um, and he did a program that was called the spiritual psychology of acting. Um, oh, interesting. And it was an awesome program. Um, and I went into it with an open mind and learned meditation, which, you know, I was in L.A., so I was learning a lot of new things. And one of them was meditation, yeah. um, which was very helpful. And I found that I got really into the psychology part. I'd never taken a psychology class in my life. 
Um, and suddenly I was learning all about, you know, how to create a character, how it's important to study the create, you know, how was our own character in life created? Um, you know, what, what are the mechanisms of how we come to be who we are? Um, as a lens into how do characters, how do characters um, written for stage and truthified by the actor come to be who they are? Um, and I just got so fascinated by that part that I was hooked. And that was the turning point in my career where I decided I wanted to formally study psychology um, and eventually led me to becoming a therapist. So that's the- so cool. So, so acting, acting brought you to therapy basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think acting brings a lot of people to therapy apparently. <laughs> yeah. It's very yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, that was the gateway for me. And then I, I read that you, um, you started, you had a practice here in LA when you were living in LA that was focused. I think it was a group practice, right? That was focused on actors and industry professionals. So yes, I, so I did my training at UCLA. Um, and after you, you know, get your basic training, um, to, to get licensed as a psychotherapist, you need to gain clinical hours under supervision. So I was part of a group practice on the West Side um, called West Side Therapy. Um, and the practice is, itself wasn't necessarily focused on serving um, actors and creative professionals. But that just, you know, I sort of believe in the divine referral service. And that's just who came in for me. Um, and that's just kind of what, what became my roster. Um, and, you know, I was also, you know, I'm married to an actor. So it was just, just so immersed. In oh, that. so you're really, you're really in it. <laughs> well, I'm really in it. I, when I say I live, I lived and breathed it, I live and breathe it 24 <laughs> seven, the problems and the triumphs of actors. <laughs> yeah. I, my, my fiance is an actress too. So, uh, I, really? and obviously I'm in, in management, so we're also very deep in it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So that was, um, that was my first taste of private practice as a therapist. Um, so I was working with actors and, um, performers right from the get go. Oh, that's very cool. And was there anything, and you know, and I like to ask this question, was there anything specific to actors and industry professionals that you noticed maybe came up more um than you were expecting like were there any surprises i guess um i suppose um trying to think about surprises you know it's such a it's such a unique um situation to be in i think as a human being um and i do think you know, the, the problems I think that an actor faces, for example, on stage or in front of the camera in terms of what comes up for them, in terms of anxiety or um, performance anxiety or a block in their, in their creative process. What I started to understand was that the problems on the stage are the same problems the actor has in life. There isn't really 
you you don't suddenly you know become somebody or something else because you're in front of a camera or because you're on stage. Um, you bring sort of your backpack of of struggles, of traumas, of difficult life experiences with you. Um, but just under that level of scrutiny, I think sort of scrutiny from the outside and self scrutiny. I. I feel the pressure, it, it really it's the pressure that, that actors can be under, that they can put themselves under, um, that kind of marks them out um, from, you know, other clients that I see. see. <clears throat> and I would say that's the same for anyone, any folks who are in a, you know, high-performing industry where they have to produce some kind of result under immense pressure. Yeah, and I I feel like one thing that you said there, I feel like makes a lot of sense is that with acting, your own traumas and different issues that you have come forth in acting, just because in a lot of roles and auditions, you're you're bringing some of you to the role. In general, that's also what makes a very good performance is a unique performance because you're bringing you to the the role. Which yes. no, no one else can do that, and, and if you're trying to be just a kind of a cookie cutter, this is how I'm going to play this role, then it's not a very special audition. It's not a very special role in that way. And, and a lot of times, at least in our industry, like we notice, those are usually not the ones. That's not when you book. You don't book the ones where you're trying to do it right. Let's say, you know right. what I mean. You book the ones where you really felt like you brought a lot of parts of yourself to it. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so that makes complete sense to me what you're saying there. Yes, I agree. And I know, you know, you had shared with me a little bit before we began that you've you've done some work in therapy yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and so when you start doing that work, when you start doing that um personal work, self-development work, um I think that you confront, right? You confront um, parts of yourself, disowned parts of yourselves, wounded parts, abandoned parts, um, you know, parts that you've disowned, memories. You start to be able to bring it up, um, work with it, tolerate it, understand it. And it adds, I think it really adds to your complexity as a human. And so when you're doing that, that translates to the character, that the performance, um, because you know the 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 rich range of human experience that actors are asked to portray. Um, you know, we need to we need to kind of be able to access. You know, where is my deep pain? Where's my rage? Where's my grief? Um, and if we are kind of living up here from the neck up afraid to feel any of it or not even aware it's there um, you know it can it can create some sort of blocks in performance and it can really get in the way yeah i I mean i think that's completely true because i just from my own experiences uh with therapy and stuff and even when you mentioned um living from the head up or from the neck up i should say um that's that sounded very much like me (laughs) for years and is, you know, it's mm-hmm. still something that comes up and stuff like that. It's very easy for me to live in my head uh, and to intellectualize things and just think about things and not actually feel things. 
Um, and I think, I think for actors, it, it's, it's, it makes sense why therapy would be so beneficial in that way, because you know, like you're saying, like the more, I guess, rich your inner life is, the more mm -hmm. you can bring to a performance, the more you can tap into different emotions that maybe if you have like different traumas or you're not, like you said, you're kind of not completely connected. Um, it, it'd be tough to reach some of those emotions. You might not have much access to those emotions at all. Yeah, right. You might either um, not have ac enough access to them, or I suppose in certain contexts, one that I can think of is really high pressure uh, acting programs. And another one is really high pressure performance environments. You might open something up in that moment, in that process of um, being in your character, accessing your character, that you're not actually ready to face. You know, you suddenly rushes in all at once and there's some overwhelming emotional experience um, that, you know, some flooding that then, um, you know, I've seen this with acting students, you know, the, it's like can be a little bit scary and um, sometimes even traumatizing because there's no it there's there's nowhere to really to there's no container for it um and there's and, no way to process and understand it so i think it can go and, either way and just to ask a, a follow-up question to that and maybe a very basic question uh just in case there's people that don't know what that means but when you when you say flooding you mean basically like overwhelm of whatever the emotion is and that yeah. you can't think anymore because it's just all that emotion yeah yeah okay so. yeah like like if you're real like i'm sure everyone's experienced it but if you're really angry like you just feel your whole body just you know ready to go and 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 you're angry and there's no clear thinking going on anymore and all exactly. you're thinking about is this yeah yeah and you see that you know that's essentially what's happening with stage fright or oh, interesting. kind of intense um um audition or performance anxiety right because and that and that's that's like forgetting lines. That's the classic, right? If you're if you're um, flooded and your um, body is flooded with all of the neurochemistry of fight, fight, flight in response to you know some perceived threat, it's exactly that. Your neocortex, which is the thinking part of your brain, um, the speaking part, can go completely offline. Um, and that's not a good thing, obviously, for an actor. So part of um, what I really enjoy in my work is doing some some of the of the deep work so that actors can um, process some of their um, triggers and, and and traumas so that they feel safer. They feel grounded and connected and safe in their bodies, in themselves, across all envi environments. Um, and also to give them, um, to start to build with people sort of an internal toolkit so that if, some, if that happens, um, they have something to reach for, that they're not completely caught off, off guard. And, and when you say internal toolkit, could, could you give like, some type of examples of what that that looks looks like absolutely well we're going to talk i think a little bit about 
um, brain spotting, which is one of the techniques I use. Um, and that is a great tool to have in the toolkit. But, but a really obvious, I suppose, simple one would be something like parasympathetic breathing, which okay. is when, right, when you're um, inhaling through the nose and then you're uh, exhaling and, and you're elongating the out breath. So it's a, it's a, it's a deep, calm breathing technique. Um, sometimes it's called four, seven, eight breath. So you do four. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Hold it for seven, breathe uh-huh. out for eight. But essentially that's bringing your parasympathetic nervous system back online. So it's, it's, which is the rest digest part of the nervous system. So it's like the signaling, calm down, calm down. If you've popped into, Oh, fight, flight. Oh, gosh, you know, yeah. direct, you know, oh, you know. Um, so even even the power of some some deep breaths. I mean, that's one very simple thing. Um, and, you know, you can go on from there. Um, there are many, many, many awesome um, tools for self-regulation. Essentially, it's how do you regulate your nervous system when you've become dysregulated under it could be performance pressure, but it could also be life pressure, right? Because actors face performers um, are subject to very unique stresses in their lives as well. There's a lot of yeah. pressure. In a lot, lot of uncertainty as well, Absolutely. both financially and career, obviously career-wise. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of um, uncertainty and stability. It can affect your relationships, right? It's It's... It's really, um, it can become a really low level of chronic, chronic stress. Yeah. And chronic stress is the, is, is the main thing other than, than having an, you know, a traumatic experience that can dysregulate the nervous system. So it can, it can be a, a slow build over time. And, and, and that actually makes a lot of sense. I, I do, I do feel like, Obviously, the high performance um, careers have a good amount of stress, but acting <laughs> acting is is very unique in that way. That there is that like constant uncertainty. Like there are, it's one of the industries where you have very rare certainty. You know, you might have a project, or you might have a series regular, and then you have certainty for a while. But none of, obviously, none of it ever lasts. So there's all you're always going to be dealing with a lot of uncertainty, and you're always going to be dealing potentially and especially when you're starting out there's probably different financial stress coming in as well so i could see why like there's so much like level of stress constantly and if you're not like you said like using some tools or therapy or whatever that looks like to kind of tell your system it's okay then i could i could see how i guess unhealthy and detrimental that could be long term if you're constantly having that stress in your body yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad that we're talking about, and you'll have to excuse me, I'm a little, um, I've got a little cough, so excuse me. Um, okay. Uncertainty. I'm really glad that topic came, came up. Can you hear that? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. <laughs> that happens. Mm-hmm. Uncertainty is one of the sort of, underlying principles of brain spotting so we can set we can that's a that would be a nice bridge into talking about that but i think when 
um, we're faced with uncertainty, which as human beings, like most people find that the most difficult thing to sit with. It's really difficult to sit in uncertainty. Um, what we really want to feel, I think, is safe, safety and security. That's kind of, I think, what, what fundamentally human beings want to feel. Um, but we think that we can get there through a sense of certainty. We think, you know, if we know that we're going to book the job or if we know the money's coming in or, you know, if we, if we know whatever it is that we think we need to know in the context of performance or in life, that we'll feel safe and secure. And I think um, one thing we start to learn in, in the kind of work that I'm interested in exploring is certainty is an illusion. We, it, there is no such thing. We can never really be certain. We can never really know. We can try. We can try and get there through control. But really, uncertainty is part of the human condition. And so when we learn to kind of dance with uncertainty, when we learn, when we befriend it, when we kind of learn to, to play with it, um, it really invites us into the present moment. When you, right, that's the only place we can be really mm-hmm. when, when we're living in, the, in that kind of level of uncertainty. Um, and it's certainly where an actor needs to be, right? Right in, the, in this moment now. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love what you're saying there. I love what you're saying there in terms of um, of how sometimes we think that we're gonna if we get this or we get to this place, we just we're gonna get that certainty and we're gonna be all good, you know. Because I've had, funny enough, I've had a lot of conversations with different actors about that, um, where it's like, okay, but if I, everything would be okay if I'm a series reg, you know, then then I'd, I'd be calm, or yeah. I, I'd be okay if I get to this level of career, then then I'll feel calm. Yeah. And, but I, I, I just don't think that's the reality because right. at the highest level, we constantly hear about uh, people dealing with a lot of mental health issues. And sometimes those get bigger and bigger because maybe what drove you to get there were some mental health issues that were coming up and they were driving you. And yes. then when you, when you get there, all of a sudden it's become this big thing that you've been ignoring. And now it's this big thing that's, that's even harder to, to deal with. And it's still the same. It's not a much different feeling than when you were starting out. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, part of it is, is, is sort of thinking it's future oriented thinking, isn't it? It's like yeah. one day when I, like you said, when I, when I, when I get that part, when I get the Oscar, when I get this amount of money, when I get the second house, you know, um, one day when there's going to be a big picnic in the sky, then I'll let myself be happy. Then I'll be happy. Um, right. And, and the reality is that, especially I think in the industry, as you know, you know, the, the deeper that you get into it, yeah, sure. You can get, you can get more disconnected from your true self, from the passion that, that led you into the field in the first place. And I also think, you know, the stakes get higher. So then you've achieved a level of success and then you have to maintain it right then you have to i mean that's that's a that's a whole other pressure yeah that i mean that that's a whole other pressure that's because then then you get there and now you want to stay there and then any dips dips feel horrible or they're like oh and and even though your dips probably aren't even that 
as bad as when you were starting out but it's like you want to stay where you're at and i, I think that that's like it's just something that comes up at any any industry actually it's Absolutely. it's yeah it's it, even if you're just doing a businessman or example and you get to a certain level of income let's say yeah now losing a little bit is 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 a huge fear because now you if you go back to maybe where you started now it's this big deal and this big fear even yeah. though you know you've been there before so it's obviously not the end of the world right. but like logically we can explain it away but feelings i i i, I know for myself that that pops things like that pop up for sure you know yeah. where there's like where, where so, if something's going a little slower or not as well all of a sudden there's, there's this anxiety like it's a little bit of anxiety and you feel it in somewhere in your chest and you're like why is that why am i why am i so why am i feeling this anxiety about it right right yeah yeah you're right there's 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 it's another kind of performance pressure isn't it i think yeah yeah i i think so and, I, and i'd love to segue into that into brain spotting that you were talking about um as one of the big tools that you use and i i think i'd, I'd like to start super basic um just because i know i know knew very little about it and i'm sure there's going to be listeners that don't know anything at all about it um i guess what is brain spotting um okay so brain spotting is um i suppose it's a psychotherapy it's a form of therapy um but Really, I would say it's an approach, an overall approach to healing and to wellness um, that is deeply rooted in the nervous system. Um, it's understood or it's talked about as being a neuro experiential approach. So essentially, that means there's a neurophysiological component to it where we're actually working directly with your nervous system. So we're looking to move your nervous system from dysregulation to regulation. So in any psychotherapy, anyone time, anytime anyone comes in for therapy, they're likely dysregulated in the nervous system. Right. If, there's an, if you've got a problem, you've tried to solve it yourself, you can't solve it, you're suffering, there's some dysregulation going on. So all therapy wants to move us to regulation. Um, the experiential component of brain spotting is to do with your um, internal experience of things. So it's a very experiential process. Um, it was actually kind of created by, um, it was created by Dr. David Grand, who is a New Yorker. Um, and he was a very experienced um, EMDR and somatic experiencing clinician. Uh, and he was an okay. analyst and very seasoned guy. Um, and EMDR uses, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, it's a therapy that uses um, eye the eyes. Yeah. 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 So it uses the visual field um, and it uses the brain spotting also uses the visual field. So, so, that's probably if people do know about it, that's what they think of. Oh, it's the one that uses the, the, the eyes. Yeah. Um, it uses the visual field to give access through the eyes, which are part of the brain, to get direct access through the, through the eyes, through the retina, down the spine, into the deeper brain. 
So the idea with brain spotting is that it kind of builds on the strengths of talk therapy. Everyone is familiar, I think, probably listening with talk therapy. Um, And what it's aiming to do is to bypass the parts of the brain um, involved in talk therapy that aren't really involved in regulation of the nervous system. So really you can't, it's the idea that you can't really think or talk your way out of some problems. You were talking to me earlier about being sort of intellectually defended and and you can figure things out up here, um, but it doesn't shift the issue. You've still got the problem. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's, 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 and even friends that I have are the same way. It's like, you can understand something and and it's you can get to that where you understand your past you understand kind of what that brought forth for you and how you handle things now and and all that and you can read all these psychology books and and stuff like that and you can have a pretty good understanding intellectually how things work and and it's easy to think oh okay i got i got this handled i'm okay you know what i mean but then a lot of times and and i'm speaking for myself here when i was starting out um and my talk therapist was amazing so like uh, uh, like she was really good therapist yeah. is amazing oh, yeah and so i just want to say that like I'm, I'm definitely not one over the other um but uh i i remember with talk therapy for me and everyone's different uh, in, in obviously in that way but for me it's very easy to talk about things and it's yeah. very e- i could tell you the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me and it would be easy for me to talk about because I wouldn't be feeling anything about it. You know right. what I mean? I would just be telling you. And I remember when I was doing therapy, that's actually one of the things you mentioned early on that I was kind of telling my things like I was giving a report. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, it, and and so, and then, so, so like talk therapy took me a while to actually get to, um, I guess the emotions really, because I had such defenses up of just like, ah, like, understanding and i understand it i don't need to go deeper into that you know yeah. what i mean like i'm i'm good type of thing um and so it took a while and and she was very good so that helped a lot and then you know obviously I, like i told you i switched modalities like two years ago and that's for me and which is kind of what in some ways looks like brain brain spotting is closer to in terms of experiencing um your emotions which is very interesting to me because I feel like what you're saying about it and from what I'm hearing, you're kind of not, maybe not bypassing is not the right word, but you're kind of like not letting just the intellectual part of you do everything. You're getting to the actual different parts in you that are actually where the feelings, where you're feeling it. I don't know if that made any sense what I was saying. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Um, and to, to add to that, I suppose, right. What do we know, um, about trauma, whether that is a, you know, big life altering event, um, a series of small, um, events in childhood, you know, like sort of things we think are are more minor, um, like being, you know, I don't know, being bullied or, you know, having a certain, family system context that's difficult um but adverse experiences that we go through live in our in our bodies we hold them and store them in the body um and they need to be processed and released from the body um and even that even that i'd like to just 
just kind of almost like take a pause on that just because I feel like even what you're saying now is, is, is for a lot of people, brand new information as well, you okay. know, because there's a lot, sometimes for people, it's very much like, well, it's all in the brain. And, and I don't think everyone knows that how connected the brain is and to every other part of your body. And what you're saying is that certain memories or traumas are, can literally be in different areas of your body. Yes, it's just about um, the brain and the body, really. Same thing. The brain is part of the body. It's, it's more than a mind-body connection. What's in the brain is in the body, and what's in the body is in the brain. And it's so it's, yeah. yeah, it's really about um, when things happen to us that are overwhelming, when our brain can't process what's happening, um, it's, it's about, it's about what, how the experience is stored in the brain and the nervous system in, in the body. And what, what can that show up as? Like, could, could you give like an example of like, I guess I'd, I'd like to love to give some examples of how that can show up as in body wise. Like, what could you be feeling that could like, because I think sometimes what I've noticed some for me, <laughs> things that I thought were just little aches sometimes actually had something to do with emotions and then when i kind of funny enough when i went through some therapy sessions once in a while i had things relaxing in my body all of a sudden yeah i was like huh i didn't realize that was as tense as it was till it relaxed yes so i'm just kind of following you and and this is um it's kind of a little bit of brain spotting in action because in brain spotting the therapist just follows the client it's very client-led and just follow you wherever you go. So you just went to muscle tension in the body. So that, for an example, if you're holding a lot of tension, um, that suggests perhaps that your nervous system is chronically upregulated. That means that it's, it's, it's perceived there to be some, or at some time has perceived there to be danger and it's gone into a, into fight flight mode. Right, because part of that, lots of things happen when we go into fight flight mode. Um, you know, our our heart rate increases, we sweat more, our muscles tense, our breathing speeds up. Right, this is this is like you're getting ready to go fight the fight the tiger. Um, yeah. That's a, what often right we experience that often before we go into the audition, or right. Our, our brain is, is misperceiving a very real like threat to our well-being, to our, to our, to our life, basically. Um, and intellectually, it's like, okay, it's just an audition. For, it's just a commercial audition. It's not even a national. Like, it's not even important. <laughs> you, know, like, you can know that up here, but the body, the, the the, the brain body may be re- reading the situation very differently, and that's when, um, for example, in performance anxiety, you get those you get the symptoms. Um, you know. Yeah, that make, that makes sense. Funny, funny enough, like I, I recently had an experience like this. Uh, I, like I won't go too deep into it, but it was really just a five minute phone call conversation. Um, yeah. Obviously, something that was very personal and 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 had a long history, but with someone with a very long history behind it. Um, yeah. It was only a five minute conversation, and after I felt like a lot of different feet, like different tensions and feelings. I, I noticed I had a, a tension kind of lower left side of my chest, 
and and I had this like almost like holding sensation, almost like I was trying to hold in something, you know. Yeah. And I felt my whole body like kind of like that feeling of like um, waiting for something bad to happen, and you're preparing yourself. Yes. You know what I mean. So it felt yeah. like that. And in the past, obviously, I wouldn't have even noticed that at all. Like I, I, I obviously have had that for a long time, but four or five years, but I never noticed it. And at the time when I wasn't noticing these things, eventually I started getting panic attacks at the time. Okay. And so, which now I see as my body telling me like, Hey, pay attention. You know right. what I mean? Like pay attention to what's going on here. Right. And so, and it's kind of comes from the same areas. And now like I'm, I'm a little bit more sensitive to it. So like I notice it more and I noticed that now after the phone call, I was I, at first I just kind of moved on kind of like old response. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. It should, shouldn't, shouldn't affect me. And we're, yeah. good, we're good here. That's probably not it. You know what I mean? I just kind of move on with my day and kind of get into work mode and distracting myself with staying busy type yeah. of thing. And, uh, and, and which I, was, I did most of the day. And then, uh, and then, you know, it starts getting towards evening. And I still feel uncomfortable in my body. You know, there's still tensions in my body. So like I said, this for me was big growth, but I actually stopped and actually paid attention to it this time and closed my eyes, did like meditation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then luckily, actually, I had, a, I had a session with my therapist that day. So it kind of worked out perfectly that we could go into that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I went into it and it was... And, and it was this tension. And, it, and then all of a sudden, I realized there were these different feelings that just came from this five-minute conversation. Right. And that part of me was trying to hold that in. So you're setting me up really nicely to talk, to talk further about brain spotting. So in yeah. brain spotting, we call that activation. And when a client comes in to do a brain spotting session and they bring in an issue. So if you brought that into me, you'd say, you'd say exactly what you just said. You had, you had this activation around this call and it's somatic activation, right? It's, it's body sensations and emotions. And with brain spotting, we take that and we, well, first of all, you're very aware of your body. And I think most actors are, but not everybody and not to the same extent. So part of the, the, um, the skill building part early in brain spotting is guiding people to have the body awareness that you just demonstrated, right? To be able to tune in and access a felt sense of what's happening in my body right now. In LA, it happens in yoga classes all the time. Do a quick body scan. Where's the tension, right? So you come in with the issue. We check in on your activation. I might ask you between zero and 10, how activated you are, are you, Greg, around that phone call? So how activating was it? Zero is completely calm. 10 is the most distressed activated that you could imagine being. Probably... say like probably there's only like probably a five you know like i i I guess i want to preface it by saying that like i I, i'm more sensitive to different body sensations now whereas i think before i wouldn't notice anything until it was an an eight nine or ten you know what i mean so now this was probably just like a four or five honestly yeah and once you start developing this skill um of body awareness, it can, you can get really, you know, it can become really subtle 
you can be like, oh, it's a 0.5. You know, you can really notice nuances. So once um, we have almost like a temperature check on how activated you are, um, then we ask the question, where do you feel that the most in your body right now? And this is in this moment in the session as you think of the problem or the issue. Yeah, even even when you said that now, I, I, like I went, I guess we're kind of doing a demo right now, actually. Doing uh, a, I hope that's okay. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that. But even when you said that, like, uh, like, and where do you feel it in your body? And I was like, oh, it's still in the left side. Like, I still feel it kind of lower left side of my chest, like just like a little bit of a tension, but also like a heaviness, you know? Can you notice that for me right now, Greg, the tension and heaviness? I'm going to close my eyes. It gets a little easier for me to kind of focus on my body then. Yeah. And now almost like a block here. And now gently open your eyes. Okay. And now notice it again, just with your eyes open. Okay. So your eyes just went to a very specific eye position when you were noticing it. Yeah. I actually looked away from it. I looked uh, up and to the right. Right. So that wasn't random. That was actually a relevant eye position that was somehow, and you know, part of this is, is mysterious, but was somehow connected and giving you more access to what you were feeling inside. So in brain spotting, what we do is we just harness that. We sort of, we hack that. It's like when we um, do breathing techniques, we're hacking a system of the body that happens naturally. When we think of things, especially when we think of troubling things that activate us or positive things with lots of emotion, our eyes look somewhere. You you know, you might notice this. So... When you're noticing your chest and you're noticing that activation, which is a five, would it be okay to do that now? Does that feel like too much uh, performance pressure? No, I can, I can do that. So, so close my eyes. You can close your eyes if that gives you more access to it. But just see yeah. if you can really feel that um, activation alive, come alive in your body. When you feel that you have a strong sense of it, just let me know. Yeah, I feel like okay. I have a good sense. It just it feels more tight than heavy now. Okay, so you're noticing that tightness. I'm bringing up something that we use in brain spotting, which is a is a pointer, and we're using it to direct your gaze. So we're just going to do a little experiment. That's as far as we'll take it. Okay, so okay. just notice your activation, your felt sense of that. Um, tightness in your chest as you gaze at the pointer and let me know if you feel it more or less when I move the pointer over to your left so follow, follow it to the left yeah okay let me expand you okay ready so notice your activation in the chest in the center 
and let me know if you feel it more or less or the same when we go over to your left. Uh, it was almost, so when I looked left, it felt more, I guess, numbing, I guess, you know, like, I guess less, but it felt almost like I was on, like numbing it. I don't know. It felt weird. Yeah. It felt, it felt different. Yeah. Okay. So we're just staying in the moment with the activation. And how about if I move the pointer over to your right? What happens to your activation? feels more warm now, like almost like, yeah, warm. I, I guess the best way, way to describe it, like I notice it, but it's warmer, if that makes sense. Whereas when we went left, it felt more numbing and cold. Okay. Interesting. How about if we go down below eye level? Does the activation increase, decrease? Does it change again in quality? Yeah, now it felt just like heavier, but almost like that it almost became heavy towards my stomach. Okay. So here's, we just did a really um, little demonstration. So now your brain's blotting. So we're going to stop because we're going to go, <laughs> you're going to go, you're going to start processing. Yeah. Just did a little demonstration. This is one way. There are literally myriad ways to, to work with brain spotting. Um, one way is to use a pointer to direct your gaze. When you are activated around an issue, you're noticing the activation in your body. And what you sort of demonstrated for us was that where you look affects how you feel. You felt differently in your, in your felt sense of that issue of the phone call when you were here, when you were here, when you were here. Where, where we look affects how we feel. That's one of the very early um, uh, things I heard very early in a brain spotting training. And then, and then I tried it and I was like, oh, it really does, really does affect how you feel. Yeah, it's, it's strange because I didn't expect that at all because I've, I've never obviously done anything like that. And uh, it, was, it was weird. It was almost like it was moving. And I was like, that's strange. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it surprised you, sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it surprised me, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine when you first did IFS, it surprised you. It's like, oh, what's this? What's happening? What's this? Yeah, I mean, even with IFS, when I started, I was like, like part of me was like, this isn't going to work. This is weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> this literally and, has magic wand. It's like, yeah, so, and then, and then like, when it, when it started working and I felt my body actually reacting to certain things and or relaxing or tensing or whatever, I was like, that's, I don't understand it completely, but it works. It works. So what yeah. we would do, right, what we're really going for is we would find the exact point in your visual field where you felt the activation the most around this, this you know, troubling phone call. And then we would hold the pointer in place and you would gaze at the, the, the tip of the pointer and then you would do what we call processing. So that's a process of focused mindfulness. So you would just observe what was happening inside you, which you're really good at, by the way, and you're really good at articulating what's happening inside you. But, you know, body sensations, energies, um, thoughts that you're having, any memories that come up, 
um, anything you see, um, your, your internal experience, basically. It's a process of self-observation. And we would just let that go, kind of a, 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 you know, a stream of consciousness, wherever it goes. And what we find is the brain, which is the genius in the room, you know, I'm not the genius in the room. Your brain is the genius in the room always. The brain seems to know exactly what to do to heal itself from whatever that issue is holding, right? So often the deeper layers of what's going, like what is about that you got activated in that phone call? What's all that about? Um, there will be things, right? It will be connected to things possibly in your life history, your relational history, your family history, maybe even things that are outside of your consciousness completely, right? Pre-verbal, pre-verbal traumas, right? There's, there's usually a, a backdrop to why something gets activated. Like why do we get triggered? Um, and it's those things that, that process, um, in this frame of brain spotting really beautifully and you process them through, you release it, you, you move it out of your body, out of your, you know, energy field and you're not carrying it anymore. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's, it's, it's actually very cool. It also seems like there's some similarities in the sense of to IFS too, in the sense that it's, it's body, body based. In a, in a lot of ways, yeah. um, and and it is interesting because I've never I've never done EMDR or or brain spotting, and it was definitely surprising to feel differences with my eye line. I, I never knew. I also never knew that where you look and where your eye line is changes uh, how you're feeling or what right. you what you're feeling. Right. It, so that, that's it, really that's that's really it, interesting. I, I think it's it's very cool. It's something you find out through experience, but you know, everyone listening can try this. Next time you feel really upset about something, notice how you feel in your body. Notice how you're, you're feeling when you gaze straight ahead. Notice how you feel when you look to the right, when you look to the left, maybe when you look up, you look down. And you'll notice, I think, your activation will increase or decrease. And one of the very simplest ways to use brain spotting very early in your toolkit is you can find a brain spot where you feel calm. Right? We were finding, we were we were looking to see, you know, activate the increase in the activation because that's what you would do in a often in a therapy session, working with activation. But you can find a brain spot that makes you feel calmer. You can you can get a felt sense of um, feeling confident. You could get a brain spot um, that connects to your body sense of an amazing performance that you gave, where you felt really in flow. Right? You can that's, also that's, that's going to that's going to appeal that's going to appeal to a lot of the actors listening. Yeah, <laughs> I can just so already you, hear him like, okay, how do I do that? How do I how do I increase my performance? <laughs> it, it's it's like having a superpower, so you can use it. To process your trauma, you can use it in a therapeutic session. But once you um, have a sense of it, you can use it to resource yourself. You can use it to ground yourself and you can use it to, to access. Um, I mean, you can use it for character creation, right? You can use it 
So, so the cool thing about it too, it sounds like, cool thing about it too, it sounds like is that as you're going through therapy, uh, brain spotting therapy, you can actually use it yourself, like sometimes during, during the day and, and things like that, or before performance, like once you're really like, it's almost like you learn, I guess you learn how to self therapize a little bit through brain spotting. Yeah, it is one of the, um, it's based on the premise that the brain and body know how to heal themselves, that we're, we're wired to survive as human beings. We're wired to heal. Um, and so I think of it in the arena of, of this sort of self-healing. And um, while I wouldn't recommend to any of my clients that they go and process, you know, their deepest traumas by themselves, because no, a huge not. part of the brain spotting frame is the relation relationship and the relational attunement and, you know, the, the holding environment of us in relationship and what's flowing between us. Um, yeah. But in terms of a tool to take out by yourself into your day, into your audition, into, onto set, um, you can absolutely uh, use it, right? You can... Um, one thing that um, I love doing with actors is they will find a spot that holds their whole character, right? They'll get a felt sense, they'll activate their character, and then they will find the brain spot where they feel they're in character the most. And that's something that they can take just before they walk on stage or onto set it's 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 incredible that that kind of leers um that's like moving out of therapy and a bit more because i'm also you know, I, I can work with actors in that way because i have that background and training um but you could also use it to feel calm or grounded um any 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 state or energy that you need to access um you could use it for by yourself absolutely so so kind of like if i'm hearing it right like let's say we're doing a session or we're working on this together in, in our sessions yeah. and we get to, let's say, let's use that example that you just used with the uh, performance. Uh, yeah. And you, and you, we get to during our session, we figure out like kind of like where I feel calm, maybe the most calm performance wise. You yeah. know what I mean? And then, so then I could use that and remember that and that feeling and, and, and using, using my eye line, I could use that before, let's say, going on stage or something. Absolutely. We would do pretty much what we just did with the adjustment. I would, I would start with, Greg, where do you feel most calm, grounded, regulated in your body in this moment now? Jenny, I feel it right now in my feet. Okay. Notice your feet. Notice the feeling in your feet of feeling calm and grounded. And then we, use, we might use the pointer, okay? Do you feel more connected to the groundedness in your feet over here, over here, over here? We find a spot and then you connect to your feet and the, and the brain spot is giving you um, increased access to that sense of calm and groundedness. And so that's something that you can do anywhere, anytime, um, you can take it with you. You can find it anywhere. Um, and it's not, um, 
you can kind of use these are these are things that are kind of stealth right sometimes you're in a well it used to be right when auditioning in person there's like six other actors on a bench yeah. and you and it's some of the tools that we have to ground and, and feel calm they might be like movement or all kinds of things that you can't really do so this is something sort of like a breathing technique where you can notice your body and find an eye position where you feel the feeling more and sit with it and connect to it and let it expand and no one has to know what you're doing. So it's, it's really nice in that way. Yeah, that is really nice. I could see that. I could see how, how beneficial that would be obviously for performance and stuff, but also just to work through deeper, deeper traumas and actual healing um cause I, yeah. I, I guess i just also i always want to say in these podcasts like obviously ideally you're not just doing therapy in my opinion and i could be wrong here but ideally you're not just doing therapy just to only increase your performance you no. know hopefully you're also doing it for your personal life for different things that are going on with you uh, so I, I guess I just want to kind of mention that as well. So not everyone's like, okay, this is yeah. what I'm going to do to perform. Because yeah. our conversation has, has led that way. But actually, many, many performers and actors and creatives who come, come to me are not coming for anything to do with performance. They're coming about their relationship. They, ha they have anxiety in general. They're depressed. Um, they are overthinking chronically. They want to drink less, like all of the realm of life problems that we all kind of deal with. Um, you know, brain spotting, for example, as a therapy can be used to address. But I would say if you, because kind of circling back, you are who you are, whether you're on stage or in your bedroom, the, the, the context is different, but you know, you're, it's all about you. Um, I would say if you work on your trauma, if you work on everything that you're holding, um, you work on your stress, um, your performances will naturally improve. And if you do choose to bring in, you know, a particular performance issue, like if you do happen to be struggling with um, audition anxiety or you're a screenwriter and you've got writer's block and you can't sit down, you know, because what we're working with, you know, a, a, a performance block is always is always an unhealed wound. It's often it's pretty much exclusively always to do with with something that's that's stuck and, and unresolved and unprocessed in your brain body system. So if we go in for the performance issue, your life's going to improve because you've changed as a human being. So I think you can go in either way. It's just what's, you know, what's up at the moment? What's of concern? Yeah, I think what you were mentioning there is like, like how you were saying that if you're, if you're going in to work on, like you said, the blocks in your performance or you, you, you were using the example of the writer's block, then you're actually also healing things in your personal life, which is, which is in, it's really interesting to hear because I, like I, I didn't even didn't really think of that part that way like oh writer's blocks and or performance blocks have to do with personal i guess traumas right yeah yeah typically i mean well, i'm getting some echo 
kind of issue with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. So yes, a creative block, a performance block, um, is often an unhealed wound. It's a, it's often unresolved trauma. It's something unprocessed in your brain body system. Um, so you can you can you can go in with an activation of a performance block, or you can say, you know, I had a really nice drama teacher who used to really intimidate me and it still haunts me to this day and it comes in when I'm trying to do my work. Um, we can go directly to that experience. I, I often walk sort of an, an intake to an inventory of traumas that, that the person has experienced that are around humans and their history and their craft, you know, sort of humiliations and failures or failures, um, negative experiences, but also the truth of their life. Um, you know, the nervous system doesn't differentiate. They just get stuck in the same way. Yeah. And they disappeared in the same way. Yeah, that, that's true. I was just thinking of, of, of my, like, obviously when, when we were talking, I start thinking about my own things sometimes of like, oh, I've, I, sometimes I feel procrastination here or I have a really hard time starting this, you know what I mean? Or I really try to avoid doing this, you know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, and, and same with creativity, uh, like when I'm writing or whatever, there's definitely times where it's just completely blocked. Um right. And now that I think about it too, it actually, it, it does a lot of times, even with that, I, I notice like, oh, usually I feel stuff in my body even then that with, uh, when, when there are blocks where there's like tension or things and, and it's, and I feel foggy or, or whatever. And I think, I think that's, that's a big one for me and maybe for others too. Sometimes this, this, this foggy feeling, you know, like this hard time focusing on what you're doing or feeling what you're doing because there's just this like general little bit of a fog feeling going on. Right. Well, that's interesting. Um, to me, that sounds so sticky. Yeah. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that again, when there's the perceived survival threat and that could be the headline or that could just be the pressure of what you're talking to produce it down um, if your brain body puts you in any way to danger, one of the simple responses, what our body does to try and protect her, is dissociate. It's like, right, we sort of disconnect from from ourselves and from the yeah and, um, and and that's 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 very accurate for me um i mean even growing up i i i remember as a kid as a teenager i was very uh dissociated for many for for large large periods um and even even now sometimes like when something very intense happens like very emotionally intense like and like I notice it now, whereas before I didn't notice it, but now I notice it when something's very intense and emotional, if it's anger or sadness or just very intense, I notice yeah. right after, like, there's parts of me that, like, that are very, like, all of a sudden trying to numb everything out, and I start getting very dissociated, 
and yeah. and very like almost zoned out completely and it takes a while to like like i obviously have more tools now but it takes a while sometimes to come kind of back you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and that can be really distressing whole bit. And, um, especially if you are going to do your work i mean at any time uh, in that you know for some people that happens off the um it comes to people um that dissociative therapy comes in um and what I think you probably know from my effect from doing some parts work is that that dissociative part it wants to protect you. <laughs> it thinks it's your job, right? Yeah. Um, we 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 are we dissociate because being is painful, right? If the yeah. tiger is attacking, you rip your throat out. You don't want to be. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Plus, like, like, obviously, that part of me exists for a reason. And yeah. and the, back then, when I was a kid, at that time, it felt like it was needed, and it was probably was needed, as I was obviously more defenseless, and there wasn't much I could do. Um, yeah. So, like, it makes complete sense why it's there. And then later on in life, where I'm, I'm 36 now, you know, it's not as helpful anymore. Because, you know, now I'm in a place where actually, yeah, when there are intense emotions, I, I actually can handle those. I am okay with those. You know what I mean? But there's still that part of me that's, you know, back there, that's like automatic, that automatic response from back then. This is how I protect you. And, you know, and, and that's, that's for me been kind of the, I guess, work right now is, is, has been kind of getting to know those different parts of me and kind of, I guess you would say, befriending them more. Um, so that not necessarily that I'm always just not going to react that way sometimes, like, like I'll get better as, as I go along, but realistically, it's just something that's always going to be something I'm working on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's fine. You know what I mean? But I, as long like I am, I recover quicker now, which is huge. Yeah. Whereas maybe something would have lasted who knows, maybe two, two weeks, three weeks, who knows how long, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And now if I take the time, maybe it's a couple hours, you know, like, or if like when I make, or at least when I make time for it, which is usually for me because of how, how I react to things, I first dissociate and then another part of me goes into work mode to distract myself. Right. So then when, once I get to the end of the day and I have to take the time, then I, I can come back to, to myself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. When I think the beauty of some of these trauma processing modalities, um, right spotting is one, the somatic therapy, is that you can start to heal the trauma and make your system when when no longer needs to associate. You can put down what, like you said, or adapt creative survival strategy in childhood. I mean that's the genius of the brain to do that to take part of an incredibly overwhelming situation maybe. Yeah. But you like you said, you it's not helpful now. It, the threat's not there. So trauma processing can actually keep heal, you know, finish off what was unfinished, what's stuck in the nervous move it through. And you might find that you're not just being dissociated like coping with it, but that it's not 
as much. Yeah, and and and, yeah. and, and that's what I love. I think about um, therapy in general, but especially these these modalities like brain spotting, sounds like, um, and and IFS, and and I'm obviously there's others too. Um, and and that's why I like it, that it's very focused on that type of healing. And I, I think brain spotting from everything you've told me, and even just the very brief de- demo we did, I could feel like how body based that is, and how you could be way like way quicker, I guess, aware of your responses, you yeah. know. And then using some of the techniques you mentioned, it, it would be, it, I think, for everyone, and also for, obviously for actors, uh, interesting to like have these tools in their belt to kind of get out of it or get to where they want to be in the moment. Let's say like we were talking about audition or on stage or whatever it is and using some of the brain spotting techniques, for example, and being able to kind of calm down again and get in a calm creative space again, which is, yeah. which is, it's, that's pretty hard. That's, that's a, when you can do that, that's, that's very good. That's very impressive. And it makes sense, it makes sense right? To, to act with anything it has an element, and we can only set when we feel connected and safe in the in our environment. And so, one thing that makes me uh, one of me is knowing I panic or freeze or freak out. I I know what to do. Yeah, um, that could be you know on set, but it could be the doctor's office. Where it could be after fight with your significant other, or you know, it these are life life skills as well as. I think I think that's a key point that you're making too. I think you said very early in the podcast. One thing we're searching for uh, as people, and also like anyone really, is is that sense of safety and security. You know what I mean? And I yeah. I, I think what you're mentioning there is is very helpful because it there is something about if you know you have the tools to feel safe and secure or calm or whatever it is then you already f- feel calmer just be, knowing that you you have the tools because i i know for me i haven't had a panic attack in i don't know nearly 2 years i think at this point um and and it was when i kind of learned all these tools and where it was like, okay, I don't have to be afraid of that. If that happens, it's not a big deal anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas before, I was I was trying to avoid getting those, and because yeah. I was trying to avoid it so hard, it would happen more frequently. And not, and then once I got to a point where I'm like, oh, it's okay if it happens because I know how to get out of it. So if if it happens, it's okay. I can get out of it. And since that, I haven't had any more anymore either. Like it's just kind mm-hmm. of gone. But even if it does happen, it's not a big deal anymore. Right, right. Um, it's like really been doing. Yeah. No. Yeah, and and I, 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 I know I think what I love and brain spotting is definitely something that I'm gonna check out as well and uh, potentially try as well because I'm I'm always open to trying new modalities. Um, well, one thing to say is brain spotting is integrative. It's an integrative model, so. It can go with any therapy or orientation. Like I was trained psychotherapy originally, and that's but you can use brain spotting with IFS. I do it 
often it, it works beautifully. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Right? So you don't have to abandon anything. It complements it. You can so combine it. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I've I've loved this conversation. I thought this this has been super interesting. Um, what I'd like to ask you, uh, lastly, before we kind of finish, is uh, is there anywhere that they can a find more information about you, and then also information about brain spotting? Yes, um, you can find me at my website, which is www. Um, that's information about my practice. Um, brain spotting has brain spotting is global, and so people are trained and therapists are trained in brain spotting all over the world at this point. In probably also one country, every country you can think of, you'll find brain spotting. So we're anchored wherever you. Okay, that's that's perfect. And then I'm gonna link all that up in the uh, show notes um, below the episode, so whoever's listening uh, can check it out, click on it, they can see your website um, and learn more about it. But thank you again so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Um, you know, and I absolutely used brains in my ground. It's like before we came on so that's awesome we did and we did a little bit ourselves in a little demo during the session as well so which yeah which was really cool and interesting for me yeah thank you so much thank you i look forward to talking to you soon thanks for listening to today's episode please subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on new episodes every week check out our show notes for our contact info and social media and hit us up with any questions you may have 